yeah, happy Wednesday. I hope you enjoyed a beautiful full moon last night like we did here in Gardenia. I think tonight it's still going to be pretty epic. Whatever you did, if you caught it, we got some cool photographs in our producers club from everybody who enjoyed this celestial supermoon eclipse. What I, I just go look cool stuff in the sky, okay? Take pictures, send me pictures. Uh, yeah, we got some cool ones to our, from our co-host today, and uh, we'll get to that story with him. We've got a COVID block. Yes, co we have good news with COVID. Yes, we have. It's not. It's not over. It's not. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll still be. It's still relevant. Uh, but yes, we have good news about COVID and immunity uh, for those who got it naturally. Um, we have some. <laughs> the first guy to get the vaccine, Joe. Do you remember this, William Shakespeare? William Shakespeare was the first to get the COVID vaccine. I and missed anyone, that. Yeah, That's well, great. he's fucking dead now. Um, yeah. Shakespeare yeah. died again? <laughs> the, imagine. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, William Shakespeare is dead. Uh, I regret to inform you. <laughs> no, and, and to me, I, I know I'm not just, I'm not laughing about this callously. I mean, the dude was like 80-something you know, and that was a big deal. He was, he was in the, I mean, it's what's sad about his story. And we'll get back to this is that the, the, the last part of his life was being used as a propaganda tool by the establishment for his name. And did, did the vaccine kill him? How long, how long has it been? I think he got it in like December. You remember how long ago that story was dear? I don't, I miss that story. I don't uh, William that Shakespeare. Story. Yeah. When they first started doing the COVID rollout or vaccine, <laughs> vaccine rollout, <laughs> COVID. COVID-19, predecessor to COVID-20, uh, <laughs> and then 20, but you know, if COVID-20 isn't strong enough, we uh, we will soon be rolling out extra strength COVID-21, so stay tuned, uh, sign up for our email list, and you'll get all the announcements as we roll out these exciting new products. Uh, no, but when they rolled out the vaccine, uh, it was William Shakespeare of Coventry, I think that's so much wrong even in that story, but He's dead now, uh, six months later. So I don't think we could blame this one on the vaccine, but the vaccine didn't help, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. Poor Bill. Uh, yeah, poor Bill. Um, I assume he's not going to be writing plays anymore at this point. Now, so That's a shame. To, to the fans of William Shakespeare, um, I'm sure you're you're mourning the literary loss this morning. Sure. We have two great guests today. Also, um, we have Aria Demetso finally. We are really excited about this. Aria Demetso of the Crypto Six, transgender Republican sheriff candidate in New Hampshire. I mean, what she did was amazing. Like, um, like vermin supreme level trolling, essentially. Uh, but she had a huge impact. We interviewed her, if you recall, uh, for that. And, and we're trying to get her on what, a, couple, a few weeks ago. It's been over a month. Shit, well, we're going to get all caught. I mean, I basically just, hey, for the, the 30 minutes of the show after the top of the hour, it's Aria's platform to do with as She likes LFD. Hi, can I please? Yes, LFD. Hey, shout out to LFD. Just like that. All right. So we also have Libertarian Party candidate Peter Pete McMillan, who's running for state representative district uh, in District 18. So we'll hear uh, more information from him in the uh, at the uh, towards the end of the show. And uh, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, producer notes from executive producer Jim Freedom. 
What's going on? Good morning to you. How you doing? It's gonna be it's gonna be a great day. It's gonna be a great weekend up there in Gardenia this weekend. I'm looking forward to all of our exciting events. Oh uh, yeah, oh yeah, and there's that. Although we are we are kind of we are going kind of covert with this one. You know, we we if you didn't notice, we stopped like promoting this because this is kind of a but it's okay to tell people they're not being secretive. But yes, big event for here in Gardenia, Homefront Battle Buddies board meeting retreat. Uh, forming the organization. This is, yeah, finally, 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 everything feels like it's coming together for this one. I bring it up because it's likely going to produce a lot of good pictures and videos for the Garden of Freedom's Instagram yes. page. <laughs> so definitely <laughs> visit that and get yourself connected to keep up with everything that goes on up there this weekend. Uh, Instagram at the Garden of Freedom. That's our first promo. Uh, the second one, adamversaman.com is under construction right now because we're rebuilding it, revamping it, making it better than ever. Once it's, it's ready, it's it is like everything. It's, Jim, I have to admit you are kind of underselling things here. It is deeply under construction. It is like buried in construction. It is like a pile of rubble of, of construction on top of it, which it is under. So it is like. Uh, we just uh, we had to restart from scratch. We had to do we did have to demolition the old website, um, and we were restarting from scratch. It is barely functional now. You can find the live player. You can find YouTube. We've got some exciting plans. If I don't have any interruptions in the next few days, um, and by the way, I have a couple of people. I'm gonna I'm ready to call someone to walk me through WordPress, and I've I've done this before. It's kind of like driving a backhoe. Remember, remember we had a backhoe out here. Like after a week, I could do anything anybody could do on a backhoe, but it would take me three or four times as long to you know stumble through the controls. That's kind of how I feel like with WordPress. Uh, but even starting further back, so like I know that I could hack through my website and make it look like exactly the way I want, but it would take me like a couple weeks if there is someone who has the right expertise to look over my shoulder and be like, no, click through here. No, that point things out to me, help me find it. Uh, Adam at the freedom I'm going to be working on that over the next couple of days. Excellent. Outstanding. Uh, and once that is up and ready, of course, there's going to be a link there to our Patreon. That's going to show you the different levels of ways you can support the show. One, five, 10 or $50 a month. There are options. $10 a month gets you access to the private producers club, which is an awesome, uh, group we have going on that's grown all the time and it's also what people win when they participate in our comment contest so if you don't want to play the contest you just want to buy your way access patreon is where you do that 10 bucks a month gets you access also on patreon right now we got a, uh, a poll going on you can go to our page on patreon and click this uh click what your opinion is the answer to this question so you can stay involved and things like that are going to be coming up more often so that we can hear from you guys so that we can fine tune the show the way you like it and the way you want it. Uh, so that's what that's about. So find your way to Patreon, fill out that poll for us and help us out with that. So we know what you want. Uh, after that, check out the cigarfederation.com. There's going to be a link for it on our website on adamversaman.com. But until now, you can just go to cigarfederation.com. You can type in promo code ADAM10, get 10% off of your entire order there. Awesome cigars. So get yourself that discount. Take advantage uh, at cigarfederation.com. Next, I already told you about the Instagram. So we're moving on to uh, uh, the website that's being promoted by our guest today, Aria Demetso. This is the Crypto 6. She's going to tell you all about it. She's going to educate you 
on everything you need to know with the crypto six uh there's even a link to her uh, gofundme right here on the crypto six website so visit the crypto six keep it on your tabs while we're running the show right now because our guest is going to be referring to it so you can follow along and uh get yourself educated get yourself involved lastly the best website on the planet for do-it-yourselfers that want to learn about solar power micro wind power or zero energy homes that's gogreenenergyonline.com uh, like i said best website for do-it-yourselfers got all the resources to educate yourself on all things solar and wind power gogreenenergyonline.com give it a look all right Jim, did you get to see the supermoon last night or this morning? I know Ant did. Go ahead. Let's get our co-host Ann up here at the same time here. Cover this uh, supermoon story real quick. Hey, Ant, Jim. Jim, did Jim did, was he shaking his head? No. Yeah, I didn't get. To, I didn't get to see it, so I have nothing to put in on it. I went to bed early last night. It didn't start to like two. I was like, I was afraid if I no, stayed up and watched it, I no, would the, oversleep for the show. That's what the, I was afraid of. The full moon rising. Oh, oh, the rising! I thought you were. Talking I don't know. We saw that. Did you get a picture of that? Or Incredible! And it was it was epic here. It was a, a moonrise like a sunset. Nice. I did not catch that, yeah. unfortunately. And then, and you, what was your experience with it? You had uh, you well, had some I was, Yeah, I was out in the middle of nowhere driving around, and I knew that we were supposed to be having that lunar event. So I, um, I was like, wonder if I could get a good picture on my phone. So after about. 15 failed attempts those pictures that i posted at the producers club are the the best ones that i was able to get yeah hey, if you want to see pictures of the super moon don't go look at ant's amateur photography but google image search that shit there's some really stunning stuff out there from this one uh real quick from the associated press you all know exactly what we're talking about build up to super moon eclipses the finale people across new zealand and around the world stayed up Wednesday to watch a cosmic event called the Super Blood Moon, a combination of total a total lunar eclipse on a brighter than usual super moon. During the buildup, a glittering moon rose above the horizon. The Earth's shadow began taking bites from the moon. It created a dramatic effect. Half the moon vanished, leaving it looking like a black and white cookie. When the full eclipse took hold, however, the moon darkened, turning a smudgy burnt orange color for many viewers. In celestial terms, it was a wonder, a projection of the world's sunsets and sunrises onto the black canvas of the eclipsed moon. But for people peering up from their backyards, it wasn't quite the brilliant display they had anticipated. Not quite super or blood colored, but uh, really overall a very cool celestial event to witness and just just the moon, for us here, the most spectacular part was the moon rise through, you know, ribbony clouds at sunset. It was like at, right? It was like, was it, was it at the exact, it was almost at the exact same time. I guess that kind of makes sense, right? Well, sunsets, sunsets, and then the moon rises. And then at some point while they're traveling around, I'm using my head as the earth, and my hand, <laughs> left hand is the moon, and my right hand is the sun. You see you what I'm doing here? At some point, <laughs> shit. Okay, wait. Flat earthers, their heads are exploding right and now. Is, and and then see, remember that satellite thing that people thought was that chunk of rock that people thought was was a uh, was a, a UFO, but was actually just a chunk of meteor. That's my chillum here. But okay, so it's, <laughs> so obviously, in order for the eclipse to work, the sun and 
and moon have to be on opposite sides of the earth at some point. So for us, where we were, it was the sun setting and the moon rising. And uh, yeah, it was, it was stunning. Yep, it's outstanding. All right. Co-host Ant, what is your comments contest today? All right, so I'm I am my last day in this hitch, and our big CEO has come to town, and uh, so I'm hiding out at the man camp away from the big CEO. It's just it's what we do, right? So uh, my contest uh, today is going to be things that you can say to your buddy that you can't say to your boss. <laughs> <laughs> nice ass. <laughs> Wait. I'm sure HR would love that one. What else did you have? Come on, Joe. Okay, Joey. Joey in studio here, our CEO, diligently doing the work while the rest of us ramble on the air, uh, has had some interesting jobs. And I know Ant is not at liberty to discuss the particulars of his right now, but Joey has worked in an auto shop as a, a what was your title? I was a service manager. service manager. So like overseeing a crew of mechanics and as a stripper. So things you couldn't tell your boss, totally different in different circumstances. Different in my world. Yeah. So in your answer today, you might want to include to a boss at a strip club. Does this smell funny? Is not something, <laughs> something you could say to a coworker. But not your boss, right? Um, very much so. <laughs> any, any, other, any other example? Oh, I'm 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 blown like completely to the left here with, with that smell funny. Oh my goodness! Uh, can I get a drink? Is something that's perfectly acceptable to say to your boss at a strip? Oh yeah, interesting. But anywhere else? But anywhere else. Uh, you're fired. Or, hey, boss, <laughs> want to smoke a joint? I think that's perfectly acceptable at the shop, too. So, coincidentally. Yeah, right. Hey, we're going to go around. Yeah, no, I mean, sidebar on this, something I, I, I mean, I've, I've known, but learned more specifically from Joey here, worth, worth questioning for everybody's sort of knowledge of the world. Because uh, when, when I was, most of my working man experience was either before college, in college, or in the Marines. So I was very much, and back then, drug war, like, even if you were, like, I worked in a print shop. Um, you know, I, I, I worked in a, a bar. Um, and at a bar, you didn't fuck with weed because it was, like, a regulated environment. It was, I'm sure there were guys smoking in their cars out back. You know, but I was in the Marines at the time, so I reserved was like, yeah, no thanks. You know, if it was mentioned, I can't. You don't get offered again, right? It was that subtle. But apparently, but in the Marines, very little cannabis use compared to average working man environment. Oh, very, right. very military controlled. It's not that there isn't any, not that there isn't more now. It's not that there wasn't a lot in Vietnam, you know, but generally speaking. But Joey was saying that, like, in mechanic shops in the United States, even pre-drug war ending, like going out back to smoke a joint was the norm, like with lunch, right? Totally normal. Yeah. I mean, and I've worked in four different shops in Northern Virginia, which is pretty, you know, red and like stiff. And you would think not as laid back with, with the weed thing back then. Uh, but yeah, that, that was, that was commonplace. Everybody piling into a car at lunch and going and 
defusing before they got back to work. Right, I mean, we already have guests uh, guesses here. You know, the boss is a real dick. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Ed, a psychic taxi weighing in there. Now, now, and uh, not at liberty to speak is about your job so much. Uh, it is. It's a little more of a heavy equipment environment. Is that right? Yeah, it is. Um, so I can tell you what I do. I just can't tell you who I work for. And uh, I was uh, a supervisor in the field that I'm in, which is the cement department in the in the uh, drilling process, basically. So we, after you know, the drilling rig drigs a hole, we go in and we cement the casing in the hole so that it. it protects from the supposed to protect the environment and cross-contamination from the water tables and all that. I was a supervisor in that. Well, during our little slowdown from COVID and whatnot, I got moved over into hot shots, which is a fancy term for I move shit around everywhere. I get in a truck and I pick stuff up and I move it from one place to the next. So that's all I do now. But um, I've been in the field for 12 years um, and it's a lot of heavy equipment. I mean, that's, that's a really, really good, accurate, depiction of what well, I'm dealing with. My point is what's interesting about this contrast, correct me if I'm wrong, but everyone in your category of work there, cannabis use is, is heavily controlled. Like the, it, the military, right? Your analysis, right. you pop, you're fired. So even, even if it's legal, uh, for example, we have employees that live in Colorado or California where it's legal, you can't smoke because if you do, the your our licenses are regulated. We have commercial driver's licenses, and under commercial driver's license, you can't be under the influence of anything if you're going to be operating equipment. Now the fuck. Now just sidebar in case people are wondering where I'm going with this. The reason it's fucked up is because you can be under the influence of caffeine, you can be under the influence of pharmaceuticals, you can be under the influence of sleep deprivation or stress or distraction. Our whole concept of operating vehicles safely is completely fucked up in this country. And you should be outraged. Americans should be outraged that we have DUI checkpoints and not sobriety checkpoints. Because driving in a way that puts others at risk should not happen. Whether you want to call it a crime or not, you can debate. But it should. if you are putting someone else's life at risk for whatever reason you should be physically stopped in the interest of safety and yet when we trust government to be the ones to determine road safety they look at your body chemistry rather than your ability to safely operate a vehicle or heavy machinery and that's so fucked up and the proof is right there because you know what how many americans lives are in the hands of auto mechanics versus heavy equipment operators. Heavy equipment operators, it's them and their crews, and that's about it. Yeah. And in the automotive world, there is random testing, uh, but if you pop, you get 15 days to go to some class, and then you get to come back to work. And the only reason they test mechanics, because nobody cares about weed, is because they are uh, covered by a federal health and life insurance company. And that's the only reason is because they're under the federal guidelines. And this is, you know, when you talk about the unseen costs of government, right? We talk about the cost of the drug war and money spent on the drug war. Well, what what is the cost of not being able to, as a society, 
appropriately determine what is safe and what is not. How many people, and 40,000 Americans die on American freeways every year. It's a lot more than COVID, right? <laughs> it's a lot more. Uh, well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> certainly, for, certainly over time, way more than COVID, right? And it, and it's because of it's because of the drug war, because the drug war has made government about controlling your body chemistry rather than the natural law standard of are you putting other people's lives at risk? I want safe highways. I want safe roads. And it's sad. We are gonna go. We are gonna get to self driving cars and self flying cars before we solve this problem because of government. So it's, it's like a, it's a big negative sad rant. Uh, like you're supposed to be coming up with funny shit. You can't tell your boss. All right, so <laughs> who's got a self-driving car? Who gets a speeding who has to ticket? Pay the speeding ticket for the self-driving car. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, <laughs> how, how many? How many? Um, how, how many statists can you hang on the head of a pin? Um, wait, is that is that how the saying goes? Healthy disrespect. You can be under the influence of bad government rules too. Yeah. There you go. Totally. All right. So, uh, and all right, more here. Probably disrespect one of our best commenters. You can, totally. all right, all right. So, and uh, what what do you what what, what would you well, as long as nobody knows where you work? What would you tell your boss? You want to wait a week for this one? What, what would I tell my boss? Well, that you're not oh. allowed. To. Oh, what I would what I what I would ask my boss is how come he felt the need to get twenty million dollar bonuses while the rest of us lost our bonuses and laid off sixty percent of our workforce last year. Ouch. Yeah, yeah. This is another reason I'm not in the yard right now. <laughs> man. No, that's it, man. Like, and it's, ugh. it makes you wonder, like, with, you know, as libertarians, we blame government. We understand that government is the root of the problem, but it's, it's primary profiteers might be the man who controls the corporate mechanisms that allows him to be personally enriched by government and then pulling the strings of government. And our question is not, does that mean government is to blame or not? Because the corporate structure itself is not what is to blame, but that it is that among companies, those who grab the weapon of government and use it to enrich themselves. But it's sort of like, is the person wielding the government? You know, are, they, are the Jeff Bezos of the world? And Elon Musk's and that French fucker who just became the richest man in the world. His <laughs> name, fucker. I can't remember. It's fucking French, Arno. Uh, you know, uh, you know what, what? Are are they part of government? If you if you're a primary sponsor of government, even if you don't hold a government title, but you influence policy and you pay for it. I think that that makes you definitely part of the government problem, and this is this is this is this is the weird way they've got left and right split ideologically in America, right? Well, the the right blames government, and the left blames corporations and libertarians. But we still blame government and the intersection of corporations and the corporations that use it. So we got both problems covered, right? And we're not even saying that government is the problem; it's co coercive government weaponized by profiteers whether they're within the government or from without as in your case but yes this is and what my, you get Ant, for working for the man this is what i get and my company <clears throat> works very closely with the government with government contracts and they've been very politically involved in the past and i if i could tell you who who they were everybody would go oh now i understand 
Well, and we, uh, we we support your consciousness and awareness raising that you're going through for yourself right now, and all the transitions. Certainly respect your corporate, your professional privacy, and in, uh, in maintaining whatever strategy it is that you have to execute to get to a better life. So I'm excited for today's contest. Keep the comments coming. Let's. So I got. I'm gonna tease one story real quick before we go. Wall Street Journal. This is the bottom of our stack today. Positive marijuana tests are up among U.S. workers. That's yeah. great news. Yeah, That's good great news. news. Good news. Good, just, good job, guys. You guys are more, good. more, more, uh, more employees passing their drug tests. <laughs> All right. All right. But first, but first, we have to get to our global politics block, and then our COVID block, and our guests. But we'll come back to ants and your comments. Keep them coming. Thank you very much. First, we go to Reuters. Airlines reroute to avoid Belarus opposition, says journalist Beaton. Yes, this is a, excuse me, a follow-up on the story of a journalist who was, uh, whose name is, I I need to see it written. His name is, why don't they put his name in the in that headline or the subtitle or even like the, the first paragraph here because this is the guy the dissident journalist and he has a cool name that we should know how to pronounce roman as his first name that's the easy part second name protasevich the protasevich instance the protasevich incident you will remember this this is a this is History unfolding before us. This is the government of Belarus going too far, hijacking a plane in order to arrest a political dissident. So Western nations have condemned this as piracy now. The UN Security Council is going to discuss the plane interception event. Merkel says forcing down a Ryanair jet is unacceptable. Video tape shows purported, con- purported confession of detained journalists. We showed you this yesterday. So uh, there is huge, according to Reuters, international outrage mounted over Minsk forcing down a jetliner and arresting a dissident journalist on board. And was they, I go, they went too far. It's not they went too far arresting a dissident journalist. Like you know, that happens all the time. It's not that they went too far disappearing political opponents in a, in a little European backwater country. You know, like I mean, it's it's easier to get away with in third world countries, I know. But yes, you can still disappear people. You know, it's like with Khashoggi. It wasn't that they did it. It was that they did it clumsily and got caught. And this is the government of Belarus going, huh, we want to go after a dissident. How do we want to do this as obviously and offensively as possible? Let's intercept a jet. Scramble a jet to intercept an airliner, to, and you're just like, "Fuck!" Did you meet them when they land? Really? No, no, because yeah. no, they couldn't because it would have been in a different country. They were in Belarus airspace. That's the that's the plot twist. Oh, we're so clever. They're in Belarus airspace. We can down in a passenger jet and violate all sorts of international law, their own agreements, and so now it's like, you want to get ostracized? play stupid games, win stupid prizes. So now, I mean, just common fucking sense, airlines are rerouting their flights to not go into Belarus airspace. This is why so, we can't have short flights. Yeah, so Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, don't worry, he wasn't wearing blackface when he said this, um, 
Well, but this is to give you a sense of the international outrage for our modern liberal government. The behavior of the Belarus regime is outrageous, illegal, and completely unacceptable. We also condemn this kind of dangerous interference in civil aviation. Oh, was that a comment contest? Comment? No? All right. Um, <laughs> Jim's like, get his face off and put text on. A video <laughs> released overnight showed 26-year-old Roman Protasevich. You know what? I don't really care if that's how you pronounce his name. That's what I'm going to say. It sounds great. Protasevich. Yeah. Rolls off the the Protasevich incident. Uh, is that is that it's is there a better? Blockbuster movie. Let's let's think it's ahead possible. here. Yeah. What are we going to be calling this? Is because I want I want focus on the dissident, and it's not that he is the victim in this story. He's the victim in this case. The victims are the victims of the policy and the dead in this conflict, right? Uh, but this is, he deserves credit, and I think the name should be hung on him. This is the Protasevich incident. Is, it, is incident the right, can we call something better? I like that. The Protasevich it's got, incident? Like, cinematic quality to it. I see that. Thumbs up, thumbs down. In the, no, I'm serious, I appeal to the audience here. Like, we are, like, and, 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 and I think, as libertarians, talking about this, this is this is this is for us too, from a completely ideological biased perspective. Like government fucked up and revealed how fucking sick and twisted they are and the evil they are capable of in this case and silencing dissent in the most obscene way. And this raises very important issues. Like why is this wrong? Why is it freedom of speech, freedom of movement? If America is going to condemn this. Don't they have to pardon Assange and Snowden to maintain credibility and consistency? What do we call this one? Second comment contest for the day. If you can come up with something better than Protasevich incident, I'd like a term that includes that name. Protasevich. Uh, he was pulled from the passenger plane after Belarus scrambled a war plane to escort it to Minsk on Sunday, confessing to having organized anti-government demonstrations. And it's funny that that's what they got him to confess. They didn't say, like, confess to rape, confess to child, confess to, don't even confess to real crimes. <laughs> like, that's what's so absurd about this. Confess to speaking ill of the king so that we can use that as an excuse to down a passenger jet and take you off of it and jail you for crimes of treasonous words. Oh. Yeah. The Protasevich incident. German Chancellor Angela Merkel said the video is concerning. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Being cautious. German Foreign Minister Heiko Maas said Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko must pay a bitter price for detaining Protasevich. Exiled Belarusian opposition leader Svetlana Tsuanuskaya said the footage showed Protasevich had been tortured. As she said, he said that he was treated lawfully, but he's clearly beaten and under pressure. There's no doubt that he was tortured. He was taken hostage. The funny thing is, he said in the video, right, I have been treated lawfully. They, they tortured me lawfully. Remember, because the American government said, oh, no, 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 you don't have to call it torture. It's lawful if it's enhanced interrogation. I was, I, it's, it's okay, world. I have committed speech crimes 
and have been lawfully subjected to enhanced interrogation techniques as a result. Everything is okay. This video proves it. Like, really, if you're going to beat a confession out of a dude, at least, like, how... Mm. Make it believable, right? We have let, like, historically, we have let governments let get, get so big and massive and powerful, and yet run by really dumb people. Like, smart people at this point are just like, yeah, let's go do something else. Oh, that we let that there's still that big, powerful, nasty, uh, dangerous government. Dumb people are in charge of it now. Okay. Shit. God damn it. Now, all right, let's get rid of this thing. <laughs> I hope, I hope that's what happens. <laughs> it's not too much wishful thinking, is it? All right. Uh, nearby in Russia from dnyuz.com. Russia raises heat on Twitter, Google, and Facebook in, in an online crackdown. <laughs> yeah. Smart oh, people on the know. internet going government is still holding back the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Look at this. Russia is increasingly pressuring Google, Twitter, and Facebook to fall in line with Kremlin internet crackdown orders or risk restrictions inside the country as more governments around the world Challenge the company's principles on online freedom. Russia's internet regulator Roskomnadzor. I just, I just really wanted to say that it's word. So and I, I bet, I bet, the, I was thinking about this yesterday. I'm kind of like, oh, they call their Russia, they call their government internet regulator Roskomnadzor. Like, look out, the Roskomnadzor. It's out there on the internet. It will get your posts. It will get your puppy and kitty pictures if they're dissident puppies and kitties. Uh, yeah, see, in Russia, internet censors you. And Roskomnadzor sounds like this big, scary, and, and I bet the Russians are like, Roskomnadzor, that's our word for rock. Uh, what is it? The Roskomnadzor, yes, the, the rock, the Roskomnadzor, the, the thing they use for the internet. Uh, I'm getting good with the Russian accent. You're getting great. Uh, <laughs> uh, Russia's internet regulator, Roskomnadzor, recently ramped up its demands for the Silicon Valley companies to remove online content that it deems illegal or restore pro-Kremlin material that has been blocked. The warnings have come at least weekly since services from Facebook, Twitter, and Google were used as tools for anti-Kremlin protests <gasps> in January. If the companies do not comply, the regulator has said they face fines or access to their product may be corrupted. And the funny thing about this, coming from the German government or the Russian government, they were the ones that were caught, 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 fully exposed, running an actual government troll farm, like, and and have been caught uh, with doing shit with troll trolling there's a protest in the united states where it's like pro-trump on one side of the street anti-trump on the other side of the street the whole thing both sides were organized by the same russians you go how does this government have any fucking credibility how does any all right speaking of which oh what are they doing who are these who are these it, it, most dishonest of people in the world today associated press with this headline Russia deploys nuclear-capable bombers to Syria for training. Training. Now, yeah, you caught that. See, I was trying to say it without the quotes and come back and be like, and the Associated Press headline is, 
Russia deploys nuclear capable bombers to Syria for training. <laughs> they should have put trade like, and this is why we don't trust the mainstream media because they pass on government propaganda. You don't even notice. You don't even notice. Like a, anybody looking at government going, oh, the people in charge who lie all the fucking time. How are we going to pass on? How are we going to talk about what they're saying? If they say they're doing it for this reason, they put it in fucking quotes. The Russian military. Yeah. All right, Mike Freeman, contest. If Putin was my boss, you know those protesters may have a point. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, can we call the winner now, or do we have to wait? <laughs> <laughs> that Putin's very angry. In Russia, protesters get you fired. Uh, the Russian military said Tuesday it has deployed three nuclear-capable long-range bombers to its base in Syria, a move that could strengthen Moscow's military foothold in the Mediterranean. Oh, that's why they're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Russia's defense minister said that three, two, 22M3, that's TU-22M3. There's got to be two, 22M3. The that, two stands for Tupolev. Yeah, all right. Tupolev. Yeah. Tup Tupolev. Tupolev. If I do this show for a few year, for a few more years, I'm going to know how to speak Russian. <laughs> <laughs> but this is like, there's got to be a codenamed backfire by what? Wait a second. Hold on. I didn't read the story. I got... <laughs> Russia's, I'm, we're getting to the funny part. Russia's defense ministry said that three, two dash 22 M3 bombers have arrived at the Himaymim my mean it really looks like it's spelled hymen air base located <laughs> in syria's coastal province of latakia i'm gonna stop with the sexual innuendo there's too much <laughs> other real funny shit in here and the main hub for moscow's operations in the country the ministry said bomber crews would fly a series of training missions over the mediterranean the Tupolev 2-22M3, codenamed Backfire by NATO. What the fuck? Our governments, our we humanity, our governments created nuclear-capable bombers called Backfire. Talk about unintended consequences. Are you serious? There's a there's a there's a plane called the Backfire, a supersonic twin-engine long-range bomber capable of carrying nuclear weapons with a range exceeding 5,000 kilometers or 3,100 miles. Russia has waged a military campaign in Syria since September 2015, allowing Syrian President Bashar Assad's government to reclaim control over most of the country following a devastating civil war. Uh, I mean, there, that's, and there's a lot more you need to, to really fully and properly understand the context. But now you see what this is about. Russia also has expanded and modified a naval base in the Syrian port of Tartus, the only such facility that Russia currently has outside the former Soviet Union. <laughs> 
Now we go to the sun for China, the-sun.com. Watch out, Joe. China reveals God of War stealth bomber. They can fly 5,000 miles nonstop to nuke U.S. air bases from Beijing. Yeah. God of War. That's a lot scarier than the backfire or the Tupolev. <laughs> but this is what they want to scare us with now. China has revealed a new stealth bomber capable of hitting major U.S. bases in the Pacific with nuclear weapons. The 5,000-mile range of the Xi'an H-20 means it is able to strike Guam and other key facilities, making it a game-changer, in the words of one expert. China's God of War bomber, Xi'an H-20, able to hit U.S. bases in the Pacific. Yeah. So... Yeah, this is, you know, I'm sure the story, you know, gets it. This is a longer story. Um, the It ends with China's developed a hypersonic missile dubbed the Guam Killer. And a video emerged last year of a simulated attack on the island. And the thing is, if they could get an air base or aircraft carriers a lot closer to the United States, this is something that could, yes, they, they can put nukes anywhere in the United States. Now, it's tempting to think, oh, wow, this is getting scary. The ability of governments to destroy things, to, you know, glass the world all over. You know, it's, it's understandable that you would be afraid to go, oh, shit, yeah. But I think what this is getting to is kind of an inevitable, excuse me, detente and de-escalation. Because while it is true and it is legitimate to be afraid of this, that governments are increasing their destructive capacities with technology, we are outpacing them in our abilities to hold them accountable. And eventually the ability to hold them accountable is going to be, but why do you have nukes in the first place? Why, why, why is that a thing? Why, why? No, we're just, the whole human family growing this awareness through the internet is going to be able to very soon here, look at our governments and say, no, we're not going to let you do war. This is not a thing anymore. Sorry. Not sorry. And the excuses for militarization, for holding humanity back so much in the name of defense, just falling away. But until we get there, there are real flare-ups and bullshit to deal with, real suffering, casualties of innocent people, as collateral damage as we see in Israel, the times of Israel.com with this headline with Israel and Hamas at war algorithms and fake accounts fueled hashtag hatred online. Very clever headline there. Researchers expose fake accounts and extreme content that fan the flames of outrage, fear and hatred in Israel and abroad in the 11 days in May, during which Hamas launched rockets at Israel and Israel responded by bombing targets in the Gaza Strip. Social media itself turned into a battlefield. Around the world, social media influencers were successfully spreading the narrative that Israelis are oppressors and Palestinians oppressed. The New York Times last Tuesday, three days before ceasefire went into effect, the narrative appeared to be gaining ground. Now, the thing is, this is so much bullshit because we know that the money that goes to Israel goes to control the conversation as well. And as generally the aggressors in this, the government of Israel not only is engaged in criminal act, but criminal cover-up and criminal distortion. And so for them now with this story, Times Israel are pointing out, oh, look, on the internet, they're making us look bad. Yeah, world's smallest violin. 
couple quick American political stories. Very interesting. The relevance of Trump continuing new grand jury seated for next stage of Trump investigation. That's right. New York prosecutors have convened a special grand jury to consider evidence in a criminal investigation into former President Donald Trump's business deal. This person familiar with the matter told the Associated Press on Tuesday. The development signals that the Manhattan District Attorney's Office was moving towards seeking charges as a result of its two-year investigation, which included a lengthy battle plan to obtain Trump's tax records. So interesting to see that this is Trump's legacy staying relevant. And as I've said before, what this really reveals is just how fucking pathetic and inadequate our legal system is as an attempt at serving justice. It's not a justice system. You can be president for four years and only then after be held accountable for business crimes that you committed before taking office. And this is so discrediting fundamentally to government itself. It's like watching the snake eat its, eat its own tail. Kind of enjoyable to watch, actually. All right, in the last 10 minutes or so before we get to our guest, <clears throat> let's take our COVID vitamins and disperse with some misleading medical information, shall we? <laughs> studyfinds.org opens our COVID blog with some great news. Mild COVID cases can lead to antibody protection for life. It's never a good day to find out you have COVID-19, but a new study finds there's likely a silver lining to contracting the virus. Researchers say patients with a mild case with mild cases of coronavirus still have antibodies protecting them from reinfection nearly a year later. In fact, the team at Washington University School of Medicine and St. Louis believes this protection from COVID will likely last for the rest of their lives. Reachers explain that initial reports claiming COVID antibodies fade away quickly after infection did not have all the facts. Yeah, no, no, yeah, study finds is gonna be nice about this to the criminals responsible for this conspiracy of conspiracies. I will not be so excusing of, of, of this fraud because we have been led to be afraid for a year plus that, oh, well, this virus might be fundamentally different where you don't have immunity. It's like, we know that viruses mutate, that like you might catch another version of the virus, that it might mutate so much that it essentially becomes another virus and your immunity wouldn't apply to that. But what they said, and, and, and this is based on, you know, some people thought they got the, the thing twice, right? Or a resurgence of symptoms. They said, you got it, got over it, and got it again. And there's so many false positive tests out there that enough of those might have been responsible for that whole phenomena that it should have been a footnote of like, hey, guys, just so you know, for like, this is what, 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 I, I, it's not like, I mean, again, assuming the facts being reported are somewhat in line with the reality. This should have been cause for attention. Hey, hey guys, uh, you know, the virus might mutate and then you know, until things have settled down, you know, continue to take whatever cautions, precautions are uh, appropriate for yourself because we don't know and uh, there are other things out there. But instead, what we got was natural immunity doesn't last. You can't be safe ever. You're going to get sick again. 
And that's the kind of fear mongering that's been used to drive this hysteria. Michael uh, Rashkumar, the mutation is act that mutation is actually coming. And, and you know, the uh, release from a lab thing that is now getting a narrative that is now getting significant traction and credibility behind it. And it makes you go, well, if they want to release another one. But you know what? There's so much reason all the more for us to resist this, not just in, in our daily lives, in, in, in the decisions that we make, but as a whole, uh, proudly say that for my health, like, and, and I don't want to say, like, if you, if you're like, as I was thinking about this, like, I have a legit health reason, even if I bought all of their information and wanted to follow their guidelines, it still doesn't add up for me personally. Because again, I've said this now, but I don't, I don't like talking about it, but I have severe allergies. Let's see. Seven sons gaslight and make people think the only way out is to get injected. That's well said. Uh, in my case, I, I have severe allergies. Um, uh, when I went and got tested at the VA for, you know, the you know, what are you allergic to blood tests? They were like, you are fucking off the charts when it comes to certain like pollen and tree and grass allergies. And I was like, yeah. Uh, even right now, you hear that? That's that's just like, and I, I've learned to work around that. And this has been a major part of my issues with sleep. Recently, I was doing a floor, putting in a floor in the cabin here with uh, formaldehyde in the dust. And formaldehyde is, is a common ingredient in, in a lot of composite flooring. And we were cutting it up, made dust, and got in my clothes, got in my skin. I had a horrific rash, and it wasn't like formaldehyde irritant. It was an allergic response of contact dermatitis. I've had allergic responses to medicine in the past. Do I know that I'm allergic to specific components of this vaccine? No, but I'm not going to find out. No, like, why would I take that risk? It's just, it's, it's just dumb. And the thing is, I thought about it, like, well, if I had perfect health, I was absolutely, and I am other than that, other than that, um, I think other than my allergies and some some injuries and some scar tissue, I got some fucked up joints and things like that. I'm in perfect health. And uh, if I wasn't, if I, if I was in perfect health, I would be like, well, I'm not going to take the vaccine because I don't want to compromise being in perfect health. I'll get the, I'll, it'd be safer for me to get the virus and get healthy. And I'll, yes, I'll, I'll quarantine if you want me to, you know, after I get it. But we could have had a safe way to give people the virus and quarantine and be done with it. And that would have been a better way to reach herd immunity. Problem with that solution. There's no profit in that. Not the way there is with, uh, with vaccines and keeping this racket going forever. Right. So, um, yeah. Uh, so this, this, this was, they're saying in a misinterpretation of the data that led to telling people that immunity wouldn't last seven sons. The media never speaks on treatments or nutrition. Not so strange considering the TV, radio, and social media depend on corporate endorsements as their bread and butter. Big pharma is big business. Yeah. And like, what's the cure? I mean, I joke, I joke that this is all misleading medical advice because that's what gets a censor on YouTube. So if I say that that's where it is, maybe they can censor. Well, Adam said you could take it all as a joke, but it's a, and, and, I, and I jokingly refer to uh, smoking cannabis at the beginning and end of the COVID segments as taking my COVID vitamins. And the reason is people with cannabis on average have slimmer waistlines. Morbidity with uh, COVID is linked with obesity. 
No shit. Yes, people who are overweight are more likely to have significant COVID symptoms. So take your COVID vitamins and be healthier. But that's the thing is they don't tell you like, hey, if you're really worried about COVID, keep exercising, stay healthy, and you'll probably be fine. Mike Freeman, after all the jabs we got going to Iraq, why would we need one more? Oh, and that's the other thing I should say about my personal medical history, as long as I'm revealing all that. And when I went through the Marine Corps, um, well, I've had adverse reactions to uh, mild adverse reactions to uh, the anthrax vaccine. And I avoided getting the smallpox vaccine, like stepped out of line to do that. But when I went to boot camp, you know, you, there's a day you roll up, you everybody gets in a big building and lines up and you roll up your sleeves and you go through a gauntlet. And it's like you take a step and it goes boom, boom. You take another step, boom, boom. You take another step, boom, boom. One more step, boom, boom. When I did it, eight shots. And then you pull your pants down and you get a shot in the ass. Nine shots. Nine shots just like that. Everybody was sick and weird, you know. Um, I I had some, and I'm like, yeah, for, for and and that that stuff was like that was for real diseases. Those those vaccines are were at least ostensibly for real threats, not not a funky off season flu. But good news, more good news from Fox Five New York, Fox5NY.com poll. Over 1 billion people worldwide unwilling to get COVID-19 vaccine. Global herd immunity at risk. A recent Gallup poll estimated that more than 1 billion people across the globe were unwilling to get the COVID-19 vaccine during the first year of the pandemic, making it harder for the world to reach herd immunity. Unwilling. I mean, and I'm, I'm, I like, I, I don't like Vox's editorial angle. Like, skeptical enough to understand the racket that's going on. But they, they bought the racket, like the racket extends to the mainstream media having accepted this basic narrative of COVID as the truth. Now, to William Shakespeare, mirror.co.uk, William Shakespeare dies at 81 for becoming first man in the world to get COVID vaccine. Tributes have been paid to Mr. Shakespeare, who hit global headlines on December 8th last year when he became the first man to have the jab at the University Hospital Coventry and war will shot. Yep. Uh, and like I said earlier, you know, it's been, when did he get it? Um, suffered a stroke, same hospital where he received the vaccine. Um, and you know what? I, I Let's go to my Twitter for a second, because when I was reading this thing on my phone earlier this morning, I saw this William Shakespeare dies at 81 after becoming first man in the world to get COVID vaccine. And it said tributes have been paid who blah, blah, blah. Um, and it said that he, the, uh, the, that he wanted to, it to be known that he was from Coventry, uh, not Warwickshire. And then I found this, this second shot, Jim, pull up the second one uh, on, on my Twitter. Second patient to get COVID-19 vaccine is called William Shakespeare from Warwickshire. And it's, no, he was the first and he was from Coventry, and they, they don't even like issue that correction, but they let it be that obvious to see it. And it's just like, and this is why we don't trust you. This is why this all looks like just some silly show. Um, the Epic Times, uh, you know what? Hey, uh, let's get Ant back up on screen here for a second. Um, I got there's something going on here. Ant, vamp for me for a second. Talk to the comments. Hey, everybody. 
um, while Adam was doing that. Um, let's see some more of these uh, contest competitions. Um, we got, uh, you know, Adam wanted one for the, the another name instead of incident for like a secondary one. And our primary one, obviously, is things that you can say to your coworker, but not, not your boss. Um, and we've had some, a couple good ones. Uh, you know, obviously the one that got the big chuckle out of them was uh, Mike Freeman with the Putin protesters. Um, but other than that, guys, uh, anybody else go take pictures of the moon last night? Um, I mean, that was a pretty cool deal when I was watching. Like I said, I was out there in the middle of nowhere and figured I'd take some pictures. And I got decent pictures with a phone, but, man, it's just one of those things that I wish I had more time for. Uh, space is one of my big hobbies. Yeah. Hey, What's up, Ben? I help you fill some time here. Uh, I, w I, I got some pretty good shots with my phone, not of last night, but I've gotten one of that scenario before. It was like a year ago, I think. Uh, I'd have to find them to be able to pull them up off the top well, of my head. But can you pull mine on up my on Facebook, the, uh, I think. I posted uh, oh, mine on the uh, club? Yeah, okay. I can yeah. look for them here. When, what time did you post them there? Oh, this morning early. Okay. Oh, okay. Here we go. Oh, uh, oh, those are yours. Yeah, that's a good shot. Yeah, that, I took those. Let me uh share the page here. Sorry. Show people what we got. Uh, that's the that's a good shot right there from a cell phone. You saying you took that from your cell phone? Took that from a cell phone. That is outstanding. Love it. Oops, back to us. Man, I'm messing up here. I'm being a little slow because I had to pull that stuff up on the side. Yeah, people, I don't, I don't know. That, uh, if you got that with your phone, you couldn't get like a uh, like a video of the actual. Oh, no. It, so it, with the Zoom on the phone, like, I mean, it was, I had the Zoom set like 50 times Zoom. And then I had to yeah, mess with the yeah. focus settings and the light settings. And it was just. To get that picture, if I just moved a fraction of an inch, I wasn't in focus anymore. So it took me oh, yeah. like 30 attempts to get that picture. On the tripod and everything. Yeah, I was going to say. I didn't even have a tripod. I was just holding it What? You didn't yeah. even do that with a tripod? That's that's insane and ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know. We're, we're about, it's about guest time. Our guest is waiting patiently backstage, so that's nice. I don't know where Adam, he had some kind of thing come up. I'm not even sure what happened. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I apologize, Aria. Thank you for 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 your patience and understanding. And we'll be back as soon as possible. I'm looking for him backstage. So until <laughs> I, I guess I can run a, another set of promos. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's part of our promos, actually. Like I said earlier in the show, our promos involve our guests. So uh, I wanted to bring it up. I think. Oh, I went on the wrong page, man. I'm just killing myself today okay the crypto six.com this is what our guest is going to be talking about today so uh we got this little video actually let me stop this and replay it i'm going to play that video from that page that's a that's a two minute video and i'm going to share it with the audio 
on the Crypto6.com. If nobody else has been to this page, we're going to go full screen and play it. Well, this home here behind me is one of two locations here in Keene that were raided by the FBI and several other law enforcement agencies. Investigators also swarmed the Bitcoin embassy on Route 101 in Keene. The U.S. Attorney's Office says six people were indicted by a federal grand jury in New Hampshire and charged with participating in a conspiracy to operate an unlicensed money transmitting business. They have been identified as Ian Freeman of Keene, Colleen Fordham of Alstead, Renee Spinella of Derry, Andrew Spinella also of Derry, Aria DeMezzo of Keene, and a person named Nobody, formerly Richard Paul, who is also of Keene. According to an indictment, the alleged suspects have run a business since 2016 that allowed customers to exchange flat currency for virtual currency and charged a fee for the service. Boom. I like that. It's a good video. So, I like. I think it's funny how the guy's like, uh, he calls it flat currency instead of fiat. Oh, yeah. So I don't want to necessarily bring her on without, without Adam, but I don't want the show to stall out either. Do you think we should let her come on and maybe talk about it a little bit? Or uh, Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was kind of wondering if... Uh, Technically, we should let Adam do a proper introduction so that they can clip that out for the actual show. That's the way we would normally do it. Uh, but I have no idea what's going on with Adam. This is uh, he had something come up and he's away from his chair right now. And uh, we're four minutes late for the guest. So uh, I don't know. Let me. I, I, he's not responding either to what we want to do. I don't want to mess the show up. I think he wants to properly introduce her and uh and uh uh clip it out you know what i mean oh yeah i, I understand completely but I don't... he should be back any second i would assume he knows that the show's going live so uh i wonder how many people have filled out the uh poll oh, what about we have the, on our page yeah i would say we get that survey that poll that we just posted on the uh the poll is, how often do you stream Adam vs. the Man on your favorite podcast platform? You can take the voice of freedom with you wherever you go and help spread the message of freedom in audio format. Did you know? What? If you, It's asking, do you know that you can listen to Adam vs. the Man? You can listen to everything we're doing right now, these words that we're hearing. You can listen to audio form through podcasts like on uh, wherever the, wherever you're, you get your podcasts. You know, So we want to know. Do you Adam's did you back. know that? How often Adam is back? He's the man. Hey, Sorry everybody. for butchering that. We're ready. All right, hey, back to the program. Thank you guys for covering for me. I apologize for the interruption. We had a little dog emergency here at the property. Everything is handled. No one is seriously hurt. The situation has been resolved. The uh, the dog in question is getting uh, appropriate care. Is is Aria with us backstage? I I, I need to check on pull up, get back to Telegram. There's too much in the producers club. You guys are having a lot of fun in here this morning. I see. Uh, Aria's backstage. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and introduce her, bring her up. Aria, I apologize for the delay. Uh, please feel free to just stick with us. Um, it, it, uh, up to to 9:40 or 40 after the hour in your time. 
uh, for our next guest. Uh, the, the platform is is yours and to serve your purposes for uh, your, your cause. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is Aria Demetso, and she is uh, not just an incredible overall human being, activist, and someone in a really exciting and, and perilous possibly position right now. Uh, but Aria uh, is the transgender sheriff's Republican candidate in New Hampshire. She can tell you more about whatever's relevant about her background with their, her race, with the work she's done in Keene and New Hampshire with the Free State Project. Uh, she is joining us today specifically as a member of the Crypto Six. And we have been promoting them every day since the website, thecrypto6.com has been available. Uh, these are great activists in, in a great legal fight that has potentially huge positive implications. And uh, they are the ones taking the heat right now, dancing around the feet of the dragon that is the state getting stepped on a little bit. The six were arrested a little over a month ago in a brutal raid uh, on the uh, Keene Activism Center House where Ian lives and runs Free Talk Live and a number of other operations. There were raids on other properties involved with this as well. And uh, Ian, uh, I hope, I believe was just recently released from jail into a severely restrictive house arrest. But uh, we are here to, to, to give Aria the floor really for the rest of the interview to use this time to, to let us know what's going on and, and tell us what we can do to support you and, and, and help us understand what the implications of, of your current challenges. So I don't know if you want to start with background, anything about yourself we need to know before we get into the particulars of this story? Uh, not particularly. You know, the sheriff campaign feels like it was so long ago because <laughs> of the FBI raid that, you know, just occurred two months ago. But even that feels like it was forever ago. But I mean, I do have these signs still behind me, but it's the last nine months or so have just been so wild that it was it's very easy to forget that that even happened right but yes so on march the 16th uh the fbi working with the u.s postal service the irs and a number of other government agencies saw fit to kick in not just my door but the door at several other properties raid our properties and ultimately arrest us you are correct. Ian Freeman was released, I think it was Monday night, really late at night, just after Free Talk Live. And he is severely restricted. Basically, he's under house arrest. Yeah, about that. We're going to we're gonna get into uh, the particulars of Ian's story, but I remember covering that on, on Friday last week. He's going to be released on Friday. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if that processing takes until Monday. Okay, yeah, but hopefully we'll get him on as soon as he's available to do interviews to tell his side of that story. Hopefully. Uh, I expected him to be out uh, as early as Thursday night because my attorney expected that. But, you know, the the U.S. justice government. system made it pretty clear that they wanted Ian. Hey, 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 hey. You are not allowed to call the just, call the legal system the justice system on this show. You know better. Fair point. It's the vengeance system. There's no justice in anything they do. What they seek to do is, you know, uh, retribution, vengeance, that sort of thing. And there's no one here to have vengeance well, against. There's no claimant. Punishment and control. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's no claimant here in this case against us other than, you know, the U.S. government. Not They're the, quote, the party. Yeah. So, so the whole thing uh, is absurd. And 
you got to remember all of these charges that, that they are the whitest of all white collar crimes. And even the judge that oversaw Ian's uh, most recent detention hearing agreed with that assessment. And for this, for this alleged allegation of running an unlicensed business, they broke out the windows at the Free Talk Live studio, flew in a drone. They pointed guns at me at six o'clock in the morning, threatening to open fire if I didn't stop moving all over the whitest of all white collar crimes the the disproportionate response here to what we're being charged with is absolutely insane now reminding you that anything you say can and will be used against you by assholes to hate the fact that you are free in mind body and spirit what can you tell us about the background leading up to this case in terms of what you, Ian, the other Crypto Six were doing and everybody involved with those organizations and operations? Well, it's very curious, right? There is a conspiracy charge against all six of us, but there's, there's almost two separate cases going on here. The one against me and the one against the other five, because there's, I think, 21 total counts in the indictment, but only two of those actually have anything to do with me. And that's conspiracy to operate an unlicensed money transmission business and the operation of a un operating an unlicensed money transmission right. business. The others are being charged with things like wire fraud. And I think Ian has a count of operating an ongoing criminal enterprise, as well as a charge of money laundering. But none of those are actually being charged against me. There's 21 total charges in the indictment, but most of them are on the other five. Two of them are on me. I think three or four are on nobody. Three or four own Andy and Renee. Three now, or four hold, hold, on a second. hold on, Ari, hold on. Just for people who don't know this story, you said there are three charges on nobody. And it's like, how can you okay. put a charge? <laughs> nobody is the name. And I wonder if you have I, I started calling him Mr. Nobody. Just okay. Just as it, and when when there are opportunities of do you guys have anything else you use to avoid that confusion that he has deliberately set us up for? I generally just call him Rich Paul. I've gotten to the habit <laughs> lately of calling him nobody because that's what my attorney refers to him as, but he doesn't <laughs> mind being called Rich Paul. And to me, no, that makes more sense. I love that he has been so successful operating under the pseudonym of nobody that he is being charged as nobody on the legal documents, right? I mean, on, is he on all of them as nobody? But yes, he is. He, his, his born name is, and, and I don't know if it's his government name or if he got changed legally or how. He legally it's changed his name to nobody. Okay, so he's, and, and they are, they are, it's the United States versus nobody. <laughs> yes. Very well done. I mean, not all really right, so because Mr. the United States government is attacking him, but as far as trolling goes, that's a, that's a good troll. So, Mr. Nobody, when we need to avoid conclusion, that's who we're talking about. Sorry, please go on. I don't remember exactly where I left off, but... The, uh, the breakdown of the charges. The, you say there were 21 right. charges, two on you, and then the breakdown uh, against everybody else. The others are like, uh, there's several, I think 16 of the total counts are wire fraud charges. And this isn't, you know, these people were out committing wire fraud or anything like that, or sending wires that were fraudulent or whatever. According to the indictment, it's just that they were slightly misleading to the banks about what the wires were actually for. And I don't know if that's true or not, but they call it wire fraud and money laundering in the media in an attempt to make this look like 
some sort of ongoing criminal enterprise, as which is exactly what they want, which is why they're charging Ian with that. But the reality of it is just drastically different from how the media and the prosecutors are portraying it. I haven't seen a lot of what the media says, but I did watch Ian's detention hearing where the prosecuting attorney said, you know, this isn't this isn't a case about Bitcoin. This is a case about wire fraud and money laundering. Like, okay, but then why am I here? Because I'm not being charged with any of that, as as they've all admitted. So I, I don't think they understand even how any of this was supposed to have functioned, if, if indeed it was supposed to have functioned in any specific way. I don't think they have any idea how to connect me to any of it. Okay, quick sidebar question from Mike Freeman in the comments on YouTube. How can you launder money through BTC if every transaction is traceable, hypothetically? Well, as I understand it, I think this came up during the hearing, Ian's detention hearing, was that the money laundering occurred because an FBI agent revealed to Ian via text message or something like that that you know he sold drugs of some description. I don't know exactly what details there were. And then he went on to ask Ian whether or not he could use the Bitcoin vending machine that was located at the Bitcoin embassy. And Ian's response was, well, I obviously can't stop you. And so that's how it became money laundering. And allegedly, Ian took money that he knew was from a drug dealer who was using a vending machine that Ian can't just post a guard out in front of and say, hey, you can't allow this person to use this vending machine. So it's it's all very weird, very peculiar. And now, it doesn't make wanna, sense. Sorry, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Please, I, I want to get your take on one one thing I've observed in this, uh, in in particular with Ian being released. Now, what what is nobody's status, Mister? Nobody's Nobody? attorney filed a motion yesterday to have a detention hearing. Initially, I I don't know because I can't communicate with him, obviously. But as I understand it. His initial attorney told him to waive his right to a detention hearing. And for whatever reason, Rich Paul, who generally is smarter than that, took the advice and waived his detention hearing. But now he's got a new attorney and they finally filed the motion to have a detention hearing. I don't know what's going to happen with that. Hold on, just to, to, to put ourselves in Mr. Nobody's shoes for a second. It's funnier if you say, put, let's put ourselves in nobody's shoes. <laughs> Okay. That's like a really cool meditative exercise right there. Put yourself in nobody's shoes for a second. Do that? No. Okay, but if, if he's de- declining a detention hearing, uh, it, it may be just a deferral tactic that he thinks if, he, if he's going in with an attorney he doesn't have confidence in, he's going de- to decline the right to an immediate detention hearing per legal procedure in this situation and say, I'm going to wait until I have another attorney no- confident knowing that You'll get a detention review hearing. That's an easy thing to get in the process, relatively speaking. So it, th- there are a lot of reasons why that might make sense. Okay. Fair point. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to sit in jail, but he sat in jail before. I mean, he's done time. But- oh, yeah. See, yeah, see, this is a lot. And you're getting there. You're getting there. But no, there are a lot. And, and, and Mr. Nobody and, and Ian Freeman, like myself, certainly have enough experience getting arrested, being in jail and managing legal situations that if it's advantageous in the long run, we're happy to sit in jail another few weeks, another few months, even if, and, and years, like I, you know, if you said, Adam, you're going to go to jail tomorrow for three years, but at the end, this significant legal goal will have been achieved that 
alleviates human suffering caused by the American government, I'd be like, fuck yeah, sign me up. And and I think most of us are are you know committed enough activists that if you put it that clearly, but uh, the difference with people who have the experience that we have is that we can see the opportunities that aren't as clear cut as that to spend a couple of weeks in jail or a few extra days uh, to get an advantage. So what I was getting at though here is uh, what what is it, you know what can you share about so we, we covered Rich Paul we covered Ian Freeman and and yourself to some extent for the other three at least and for everybody in the next steps in charging. What are y'all facing right now? I am facing a total of 10 years in prison. Um, talking with my attorney about that and, you know, how the whole point system works with federal felonies and all of that is it's most likely that even if I do get convicted on all of this, that I'll end up with like a probationary sentence or something like that. Ian is potentially facing life in prison. Each hold, of these on, before you go, hold on. Before you go to the next person, if, if I may, I want to I, I okay. comment on, on what you're facing there. Because <clears throat> uh, when you put it that succinctly, it's up to 10 years. Like, really, if, if you don't, if they don't throw something else at you or find something crazy or set you up for something while you're out, the most that you're facing is 10 years. And what that really means is like seven or eight years good behavior. Again, even in the worst, worst, worst case scenario, and that's in minimum security, federal camp fed kind of facility, pretty low key, not a picnic, not easy time, but that's the worst. You you can see when most people hear, I might get arrested, I might go to jail. It's just, oh, it could be for life. I could die. And they can't quantify that. And sure. you know that even then, even if you got convicted with your record and sentencing guidelines, as you just said, the most actual likely outcome is a few years, and it could be a lot, like three to five years of shitty probation, which sure. is, which sucks. And but I it's, mean, a, it's a manageable, quantifiable price to pay for standing up to the state. I mean, that's exactly it. Uh, I knew when I essentially declared war on the state by advocating cryptocurrency and for people to stop using their money and to fight for liberty, I knew what the likely outcomes of this were going to be, Right. They either put a bullet in your head at some point, as they you know, used to do in Soviet Russia or the during the Cuban Revolution or whatever, or they just throw you in a cage for some length of time. So I've known ever since I came to New Hampshire, you know, where this road leads. And that's never deterred me at any point because I'm in the right, both legally and morally. They would disagree, but this is why we all have attorneys that are going to argue about who was legally right and who wasn't. But yes. Um, Anyone who's going to take up the fight for liberty should be aware that, you know, if you're effective, if you're actually effective, the government's going to come after you and there's going to be a price to pay. It yes. shouldn't be that way. But at, as of present, it is. Well said. Now, we are very fortunate. And this is getting at the point I was getting at in, in even asking this question and come back to the others if, if you like. But we live in a day and age where this is the worst the organized assholes calling themselves government can get away with. They can't just put your heads on a pike and call you traitors because you spoke against the king, right? That's, that's what, what a luxury that because of all the struggles of prior generations, the activists of today 
face a game not only with much lower stakes for us, still life and death, but for us as activists. And it's because government is on the run. This is the, the worst they can do to Ian Freeman as one of our greatest activists in this fight is lock him up for a couple months. Well, I can't wait to see what he's going to do next. It depends, right? Um, obviously, we're all intending to go to trial. None of us are willing to back down from the government on this. And the worst case scenario for Ian is most likely something close to a life sentence because he's being charged. One of the things has a 10-year penalty. Another has a 10-year penalty. And even though the prosecutors have agreed, it's not likely that he'll actually receive a, quote, life sentence. When you're, when you're 35 or 40 years old, a 40, 50 year sentence is effectively a life sentence. So it's very frustrating. And as far as I can tell, the the wire fraud charges, each of those involves a 10 year prison sentence. And I think that's a mandatory sentence. I'm not completely sure, but it's it's screwed up. So if all they've accomplished so far, well, I mean, they, they substantially derailed Free Talk Live. We used to use Telegram to communicate with each other and the show hosts and all of that. And that's that's no longer an option. Getting people to transition to a way where I can actually communicate with them has been difficult. I'm not allowed any contact with Ian Freeman, who, you know, founded Free Talk Live. And I've been doing Free Talk Live for the last two years. While Ian's been in jail, I've been one of the people doing all of the back-end stuff for Free Talk Live and LRN. And now Ian's out, and I can't communicate with him anything that I did or anything that still needs to be done. He's not allowed any computer access whatsoever. And even when he is, there's going to be monitoring software on them. It's like, what do these people really think is going on? They're treating us like we hacked into the Pentagon and launched missiles at Cuba or something. It's absolutely insane. But to get back to the insanity of the conditions directly, I'm allowed to use one social media platform. I'm not allowed to use any others. And it's it's because they clearly fear the voices in the liberty movement. So when yes. I when I requested this, I was like, I just want you know access to social media like Facebook, Twitter, Discord. Tell uh, I don't think I mentioned Telegram and all of these others. And my supervisor officer came back and said, pick one. Well, what difference does it make if you're allowing me to post on social media? What difference does it make if I'm allowed to post? So on multiple? we can monitor you that much easier. Fair point, but it's all public anyway. So it's not like they'd have a difficult time monitoring me. And I requested permission for like Netflix and Hulu and some other streaming services. And recently I was like, oh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force is on HBO Max. Can I have HBO Max? And the response was, yeah, but Netflix has to go. What's, what's the danger here of allowing me more than three video streaming services? It's just a matter of keeping us, keeping us on a leash of a certain length. And they don't want that leash to be lengthened at all. Like Ian's leash is 100 yards. He can't leave within what, beyond 100 yards of his home. It's, it's completely insane. And it's all because they, they wanted to portray him as a flight risk. This dude who's lived in New Hampshire for the better part of two decades, owns multiple properties in New Hampshire, does a show in New Hampshire, and is constantly trying to get people to move to New Hampshire, a quote, flight risk. And as his attorney pointed out, Ian knew about this investigation for several years, and he never fled. Why would he flee now? It's, it's just absurd. It's just a matter of keeping leashes on us.
about the legal premise of this, Mike Freeman says, let me get this straight. I own a bubblegum machine that accepts Bitcoin. A drug dealer buys a piece of gum because I didn't stop him. I'm now guilty of money laundering. And yes, hypothetically, that is the rational expansion of, of what they're trying to pin equation entirely if you have a gum vending machine and a drug dealer comes in and puts in a quarter and you know that person's a drug dealer yeah you just committed money laundering which means the government can arrest anyone with a gumball machine at any time by whispering that in their ear and then buying a gumball and this is to the point that they can hypothetically under the pile of laws this cornucopia of injustices on the books today arrest anyone at any time of their choosing they just have to pick an excuse but aria there's one other big lesson that i take from this partly because of the reasons they're going after you the excuses that they're using and even with this hypothetical life sentence the worst that they can actually they can't even hold y'all pre-trial. They can't get away with that. What it well, all tried. They tried and failed. And they failed because they wanted to. And in their machinations, they realized that they could not maintain their credibility and do that. And what this tells me is that they're more afraid of us than we are of them at this point. And it is not only cowardly, but it is misguided historically in terms of where humanity is in our relationship with governments to say that we should cower or surrender or retreat in any way from people who are afraid of us, who see that their end is near. That's what this case illuminates. That's what this is about. And about Ian facing a life sentence in this, I cannot think of a better one from our ranks to be at the front line. And we all need to be there pushing behind them with you and the rest of the six right alongside him in this case, because that's what this is really about. I would agree. It's all about you know dismantling, dismantling the state apparatus, the state religion really. And the, the fundamental belief here is that the government can do no wrong because of checks and balances and all of this other nonsense. But it's, it's completely false, right? The First Amendment right to free speech is supposed to be unequivocal, yet they just derailed the most popular libertarian radio show on the planet. And they did it easily to the extent that there was only one night that wasn't actually broadcast on terrestrial radio, but I, initially, it seemed to me like they weren't trying to target Free Talk Live, but I've had to backpedal on that because not allowing Ian and Mark to have contact with each other or not to allow Ian to have contact with Melanie Neighbors, not to allow me to have contact with Ian. It's like, how do they expect us to run a show where all of these people are integral to the operation of that show when all of these people can't communicate with each other? Okay. So, all right. so, sorry, finish the thought, please. So they're very much going after, you know, the free speech here, and they don't seem to have any objection to that or any desire to hide it. Well, I'd like to finish with two questions here. 
Uh, one, first, uh, in part out of my own self-interest, as you mentioned, these intersections with independent media, I'm all the more confident in our ability still to work around the censors. They are trying to put a cat back in the bag and getting claws and fangs more than they are fur even at this point. And Free Talk Live staying on the air, similarly, Adam versus a man having faced similar challenges in the past. What would you say to your audience who might be watching this interview, to my audience, to anybody else who's a fan, a supporter, who understands the relevance and, under, and, and, and understands the importance and relevance of independent media and all of this in supporting these efforts. To just keep talking. That, that's the number one important thing. Get the, get the ideas of liberty out there one way or another. We have to get the ideas of liberty and independence from the state and dismantling the state apparatus, defunding the war machine, Stop believing in the state as an indestructible bastion of good and start facing reality as it actually is, which is we are ruled over by a gang of violent uh, criminals who create all of these apparatus that bind us to obey whether we like it or not. And if we don't obey their arbitrary rulings, then they, they kick in your door, point guns at you, kidnap you, and haul you off to jail. So as long as people keep talking, keep spreading the ideas of liberty, Free Talk Live will be out there as long as I live, spreading the ideas of liberty, and as long as I'm free, obviously. As long as myself, Ian, or Mark, or Captain, or somebody is free, Free Talk Live will carry on. And as long as you're free, I assume, you're going to be continue spreading the ideas of liberty anywhere and wherever you can. But this isn't limited to just people who are running shows or networks that are independent media. We need all of the anarchists, the individualists, the voluntarists, the libertarians out there spreading the ideas to people who haven't ever really heard that idea. It does no good to just sit around in circle jerks talking to other libertarians about what a libertarian paradise would be. We have to actually go out into the masses to find people who have no idea what liberty even is. And we have to educate them and show them that there's a better way that doesn't involve anyone putting a gun to your head and telling you to obey because they said so. And because they're the ones with the gun to your head. And if you don't obey, they'll pull the trigger. Beautifully said. Now, Ario, quick follow before I get to the actual last question here. Give us some of the nuts and bolts on that, please. Tell us about the AMP program and how people can support Free Talk Live directly right now. Uh, Free Talk Live is, let me think about how to phrase that. So the AMP program is a way of people to contribute to the show that allows us to advertise, market, and promote Free Talk Live, which is why we call it the AMP program. So for $5 per month, and this money is used strictly to advertise the show, to get us on more radio stations, to get more podcast downloads, more video plays, all of that sort of stuff. The AMP program is the best way to do that. It's at amp.freetalklive.com. But realistically, the, the best thing you can probably do for Free Talk Live, for Free Talk Live now is to help its hosts, uh, three, of whom, well, three of whom are facing a federal indictment. And you can do that at thecrypto6.com. Because, you know, as you pointed out earlier, these charges are serious. They're not, they're not a joke, and it's going to affect cryptocurrency for decades to come. As long as there is a U.S. government, then the outcome of this case is going to affect how the U.S. government treats cryptocurrency. Well, my big final question here, and let's get the website up, uh, Jim. That's great to show everybody the AMP on uh, freetalklive.com. Let's get the crypto6.com up to switch gears for the last part of this year. 
Uh, we've got that in our queue, the crypto6.com. I believe we can get it up on the Chiron there as well. So finally, if you would please, Aria, what can people do? Can what can people do right now to help this effort with the crypto6.com? Other than going there, of course, please donate crypto if you can, if you can get it in there. Uh, so Aria, tell people what that money is going towards and what people can do to help uh, this effort in particular, please. Well, this money is going to pay for private attorneys. Uh, I happen to be using a public defender, but that's because my public defender is really, really good. I actually tried to retain him privately to be my private defender. And he was like, there's no point. I can just stay on as your public defender and have exactly the same impact and it won't cost you any money. But the others wow. need attorneys wow. because their attorneys aren't as good as mine. And that's what those funds are essentially for. But in my experience, uh, the best way that you can really help the Crypto 6 is to not necessarily donate financially or anything like that. Just show your support out there on social media. Um, write to nobody in particular who is still being held in a cage. Write to any of us. There are, there are ways to contact us. Uh, Ian at freetalklive.com. Well, he can't read his emails right now, but Aria at freetalklive.com. Mark at freetalklive.com. There's all sorts of ways to communicate with us to show your support and to provide emotional strength for us as we go up against the Leviathan that is the state. To me, that was the, the biggest deal about all of this is that Tuesday night when I was released, I came back home and my house was empty, no internet access, obviously, and it just felt lonely and isolating. But the next day, all of the libertarians here in Keene showed up at my house and I suddenly was recharged again, ready to, ready to take on this fight. And I think that's the best thing that anyone can do to actually show their support for the Crypto 6 is to just show your support. It emboldens us. It, it gives us strength to fight the battle that we're fighting. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us, for sharing all that, your wonderful perspective and for being on the front lines right now. We need people like you to show that government is afraid of us, that this is the worst they can do right now, that really essentially... Uh, as destructive as it is, as, as much death and, and injustice it is responsible for, when it is trying to frighten you into obedience, it is a paper tiger. And these are the ones who are fighting back right now. So, Aria, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for all that you do. All right. Wow. All right. Let's check in with Ant. Ant, uh, what do we have? It was such a, that was, that was a great interview. We have any uh, fun entries in our comment contest here? Everyone kind of stalled out on our, our com comment contest of things that you could say to your coworkers, but not your boss. Um, I just wanted to make a, a statement though, and I'm not gonna name their name to give them their, their five seconds of fame. But if you're on the on the messages and you're, and you're commenting things that are clearly just discriminatory, like, like just don't, like you will piss me all the way off if you're saying things that are clearly and bigoted and, and whatnot. So I'm not going to name their name. I don't want them to have that kind of deal, but we're no, we don't, I don't do racism and I don't do sexism. I don't do any, anything that discriminates against anybody else. And it's just, it's not tolerable to me. So no, I appreciate that. And if that's your policy and, and filtering comments that get on the screen and I, I would back you up, uh, maybe wording it differently. If I was doing the filtering itself to say, you know, like I, we welcome the trolls, we welcome the haters even, but if it's petty and disgusting and stupid and racist or it's just sort of like, eh, like, 
I, if someone wants to make a dumb joke making fun of my big Jewish nose, you know, like that's cool. And I will say it's not necessarily racial or even, you know, racist the way that some people would say in the bigger sense, right? Um, you remember Carlos Mencia? With, is he still around? He's still around. <laughs> okay, so Carlos Mencia was great with racial comedy that wasn't racist. He could make fun of and celebrate the differences between races. And that, I'm all for. I love it. Uh, but when it's motivated by being demeaning or hatred based on race, there's no amount of clever or intelligence you can add to that that overcomes the disgusting effect enough for at least for Ant to make that a comment, right? Yeah, it, it, this one wasn't particularly on race, but I just don't like seeing any kind of hatred-based comments. Like you said, the trolls, we can deal with the trolls, you know, at least keep it amusing. But when it's out of pure hatred, I don't I don't like that kind of nonsense. But um, great guest with, with Aria. Uh, she did great. Uh, you had me captivated i was watching i was trying to watch comments but i was too focused on uh listening to her story so yeah i mean uh right oh, now was, you know it's funny i didn't even realize it with with the it was, it was trans stuff it was it was trans stuff. yeah okay okay let me just i, I want to say one thing about that because I've, I've actually relatively recently like in the last few months kind of clarified my own thinking about this first of all what makes you a man or a woman is more determined by your mind than your body, both spiritually, intellectually, and biologically. You want to say, what is your gender? It's, it's what's here, not what's here, right? Your head in a jar still has a gender. See how that works? But more importantly, when it, so I, I will respect that that is how people want to present and who they claim to be for themselves. And if they want to be addressed a certain way, they absolutely, every human being deserves in polite conversation to be respectfully addressed however they want. Now you can, if you want to say, I'm taking that respectful away because Hillary Clinton, you're a fucking asshole. You know, what? Well, okay, sure. You know, say what you want about, you know, in that context. But if you're showing someone, if, you're, if, if you don't have that reason, and you're just respecting, you know, addressing someone respectfully. Respect their their request to be identified by name and gender, however they want, and to do anything less than that makes you a fucking asshole. Uh, that's it. It doesn't, hurt us. it doesn't hurt it's anybody criminal. else to acknowledge that. You know, that's the thing. If it isn't hurting anybody else, respect them. Respect yeah, that person. Exactly. Respect is a big part of yeah. being libertarian. We respect each other. We respect each other's rights and freedoms. And if we start being transphobic over stuff that does no effect on us whatsoever. That's not being libertarian at all. That's yeah. just being a dickhead. Now that's, that's the sort of, if you're not trans, how you relate to trans people like that. And technically I'm trans is in as a, what, what a, a gender technically by their, by all of their crazy, whatever 56 genders, you know, matrix of, of whatever, I don't care. But no, if, if it's not you, you're talking about someone else, you, the, as a decent human being, minimum respect still applies. Now, separate with the issue itself, again, when it comes to government, government should have nothing to fucking say about it. When it comes to bathrooms, government should have nothing to fucking say about it. When it comes to private businesses, you're a fucking weirdo 
or a spa where people are walking around naked and maybe that's different. If you're trying to control what bathrooms people are walking into and even then you in service of your customers have the right to determine policy for your own business. Now with the issue itself of being trans, if that's part of the biological reality, some people have a brain of one gender born a body of another that sucks. Like that's, that's an unfortunate challenge you face in life. Nothing but that deserves nothing from good people, but empathy and, and respect and encouragement for people facing that. And I know there are a lot of ways you can get critical about how we're fucking it up from how we go from there and we'll get better. But if it's not your issue, probably best to not say anything about it beyond that. I guess I'll say one more thing because this came up with sports recently. Um, the idea of trying to set like a national policy about transgender sports. This came up with Caitlyn Jenner flipping, right? Uh, her position on this from saying transgender women should be allowed to play women's sports. And it's like, no, if the purpose of this athletic competition is for women who are physically, biologically born as women to compete in a contest of that, the people who are organizing and supporting and fans of that get to determine if it's an inclusive sport at the elementary grade school level. And the point is education, involvement, physical fitness, encouragement, then it doesn't matter. You know, let the community decide, let the teachers decide what's best for the students. Uh, we have a comment. You want to put this one up and mama said, if you don't have something nice to say about something, say nothing, golden rule. I see that about people. There are no bad people, only bad actions, right? Exactly. I, I try to live up to that on this show. <laughs> but comment contest, guys. Things that you can say to your coworkers, but not your boss. Let's move on to something more more positive. Let's um let's get some more contents uh, entries in here and uh, go from there, Adam. <laughs> All right. Well, we are we are waiting for our second guest, Peter McMillan, to join us. Last few minutes of the show. I'll be watching the producer, but since uh, our producers chat with Jim, uh, but since we've got, uh, we got interrupted there, I'm going to get back to the COVID block. So the Epic Times, uh, Jim says still no guest. Okay. They might be, uh, might be uh, missing us for technical difficulties. So we actually get to finish the stack today. So back to the COVID block, uh, the epochtimes.com, 18 cases of heart inflammation after COVID-19 vaccination Reported in Connecticut, a single state has recorded 18 cases of myocarditis in people who received a COVID-19 vaccine. All the cases in Connecticut required hospitalization. So it makes you wonder, like, how many people didn't require hospitalization? Now, I'm not going to get into this story much more than this, just to say that because of this, uh, we still don't know how safe the vaccines are or unsafe. And I... I I'm not, I'm just, what we see as the scene must at some point be used to determine and extrapolate what is the unseen. How many people are suffering with that? Oh, well, it hurt the next day. Oh, well, six years later, I'm sorry, six years, six months later, William Shakespeare dies. Does it connect to the vaccine? I'm not saying it is. And this is what I'm not saying. I'm just asking questions. No, I'm really just asking. I'm really like, hey, back just backing up my advice unchanged. Like if you don't have a really important, compelling reason to get the vaccine for work, it makes your life a lot easier because you're surrounded 
by idiots and bullies, and if that's who you've decided to work with to get along with, don't get the vaccine yet. I'm saying don't get it ever. If you have a really good reason, get it. At worst, even with all this, it's a, the vaccines. Are, I will tell you this, and I want I want to be quoted on this. The vaccines are relatively safe, not completely, but in the range and the realm of side effects of mar- modern pharmaceutical endeavors, vaccines are relatively safe. Now, we don't know some of them, just like some pharmaceuticals out there might have long-term cancer-causing effects, might have long-term effects on fertility, and that enough should be a reason to, to wait. I mean, unless you have a, unless you're, you have a really good reason, you shouldn't take cutting-edge pharmaceuticals either because we don't know how the long-term effects are going to play out. The compelling reason could be you're about to die, you have a severe condition, you're very confident the side effect risks are worse than what you're dealing with. Sure. You see the theme here? Think for yourself. Do the risk-reward analysis for yourself. Do the homework, do your research. And this is one more data point at least to incorporate for now. Yeah. 18 cases of heart inflammation after the vaccine reported in Connecticut. Bloomberg at msn.com, air passengers warned to wear masks and behave ahead of holiday. U.S. government officials monitoring the airwaves say they won't tolerate passengers who refuse to don masks as airline travel surges out of the summer season. And it's like the the medical discrimination here. It's not even we're going to be compassionate about enforcing mask policy among people who must wear masks according to our law. No, they're just, it's just blanket. Like this is what they think they, this is, I think this is just a, a sort of nanny state overreaction. Like we don't trust Americans to, Americans to, you, we, if we tell them they have medical exemptions, they'll all say they have medical exemptions. Like, yeah, probably. Well then maybe you should, like if we, if we respect their right to, to judge and make decisions for themselves, they're going to make decisions that serve our purposes less. So we're going to just bully them all into this blanket compliance of everybody must wear masks, even if technically in the rules in order to get them back, which say medical exemption. So, yeah, a recent spike in unruly passenger reports, many of them involving people refusing to cover their faces, prompted Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas on Tuesday to issue a stern warning to travelers. Quote, let me be clear in underscoring something. It is a federal mandate that one must wear a mask in an airport, in the modes of public transportation, on the airplane itself, and we will not tolerate behavior that violates the law. He didn't even say how you'd be punished. But, you know, they can fine you. um, And now it says in extreme cases, such as assaulting flight crews, people can face federal criminal charges. What, uh, What the fuck does that have to do with masks? Oh, yes, by the way, if you rape someone, we can charge you with rape. Uh, uh, yeah, oh, if you punch someone, we can charge you with assault. Uh, okay, but here's why it actually is relevant. They have pissed people off with this so much that some passengers, surprise, surprise, around the edges, have lost control and are resorting to physical violence. Our next headline, yes, I'm laughing at this, Associated Press, Yahoo.com, woman charged with assaulting Southwest flight attendant. San Diego authorities charged a 28-year-old woman with felony battery after an attack on a Southwest Airlines plane in which a flight attendant lost two teeth <laughs> and suffered other injuries to her face. Now, I, it's funny. She got hurt. Not a good thing by itself, certainly. But 
every flight attendant, at least in the United States, is going to be hearing about this story. And this might lead them to be slightly less assholes. And if you as a flight attendant face the possibility of getting punched in the face, not just a complaint and a reprimand and blah, blah, blah. If you actually face the possibility of getting punched in the face because you're violating the civil rights of a passenger and then they're dumb enough, enough of them are dumb enough to instead of filing the complaint and doing it civilly, just go, fuck you, boom. Then I think a lot of those airline attendants might suddenly give up this sick behavior that COVID has become the excuse for them to be Karens and petty tyrants in their little realms of authority and instead go, well, if I see someone not wearing a mask, I'm going to just quietly assume that they have a medical exemption. And that shift is actually going to lead to such a nicer, kinder state with kinder state of affairs without the kind of medical discrimination that is the norm today. The incident marked an escalation in an unruly behavior by passengers and led the president of the flight attendants union to ask for more federal air marshals on planes. <laughs> oh, yeah, come fly the friendly side. Union President Lynn Montgomery, quote, unfortunately, this is just one of many occurrences. She said there were 477 incidents of misconduct by passengers on Southwest planes from April 8th to May 15th. It happened during a flight from Sacramento to San Diego Sunday morning. San Diego Harbor Police said Tuesday that they arrested Viviana Quinones and charged her with battery causing serious bodily injury. The Sacramento Bee reported that Quinones lives in the Sacramento suburb of Antelope. Uh, Southwestern spokesman Chris Maines, quote, the passenger repeatedly ignored standard in-flight instructions and became verbally and physically abusive upon landing. Interesting, upon landing. I want to interview this, this hero, uh, Viviana Quinones. Can we get her on? Let's add her to the guest list, please. Jim, make sure, make sure Ed gets that on the guest list. Um, and you know what? Our, according to our next story, there's video. Jim, do you have the video? Oh, I see it loading as that was. Uh, might be unavailable due to settings, privacy, Jim. The next link is Yahoo on independent video reveals moment. Passenger knocked out flight attendant's teeth in clash over masks. Jim, do, do you have that video? Ah, I can't find it either. Well, Jim will look for that while we breeze through the last of our headlines here. We can get that video up. If not, you can find it, as always, in the notes at t.me slash Adam versus the man. Mediaite with our next story. Boris Johnson wanted to be injected with the coronavirus on live TV to show it wasn't a big deal. A former top aide to British Prime Minister Boris Johnson is making bombshell claims about the government's coronavirus response, namely the bizarre degree to which Johnson downplayed COVID-19 in the early part of 2020. Is it downplaying when you're just like calming people down from hysteria? Or is that like trying to paint an accurate picture? In shocking testimony before a parliamentary committee on Wednesday, Dominic Cummings, former chief advisor to the prime minister, admitted that the British government's response to the coronavirus was wholly unacceptable. Yeah, I, I agree. But it was because someone like this successfully bullied Johnson into not doing it um, because it would have been a, a, a nice way to show it was a big, not a big deal. But the problem was that would have unraveled the whole thing if Boris Johnson had been like, well, 
I'm just taking with the virus. I'm taking I'm taking risk. Everybody out here is getting it. Most people got it. I might as well. I mean, if I got the access to the best medical care in the world, I'm a fucking prime minister. Why well, I'm just injecting with the virus. Thing is, that would have led to this solution that I've suggested. Hey, find a safe way to expose people in a controlled environment in a supervised way so they can get that immunity. No. Not, not even, and I don't know that that's the right one. I'm saying that it's not explored and that we don't know whether that's a viable option to get to herd immunity faster. What that would do is protect all the vulnerable people. If all the invulnerable people voluntarily exposed themselves to the virus, got the antibodies, guaranteed that they could never be a carrier or a shedder of viral proteins, then you could get to herd immunity a lot faster. And you could protect the actually vulnerable people. Bryce B, just say no to the Kool-Aid jab. Indeed. Theweek.com, more than 30 countries could face oxygen crisis as crises similar to India amid COVID-19 surges. Just another bit of the international fear-mongering. As COVID-19 cases surge in many countries, several could face oxygen shortages similar to India's. The key indicator of a looming crisis is often not how much oxygen is needed at the moment, but how swiftly demand is rising. Um, so who knows where this goes? Who knows if this is even the right treatment? Because we know that ventilators were overprescribed. Now we're just not hearing about about doctors like that. Uh, skipping ahead one, our next headline, Daily Mail, COVID testing clinic chaos across Melbourne as thousands race to check if they're infected amid lockdown fears. Yes, that's what they're facing in Australia now. Cars at testing center in Epping and Melbourne's north backed up. For half an hour by 11 a.m., that wait time had increased to three hours, Department of Health said. Victoria's surprise outbreak stands at 15 cases after 11 new infections confirmed. Spread of exposure sites has grown rapidly to include MCG and regional venues. Next 24 hours critical as the state government considers further restrictions. So, yes, we're fear-mongering to come from Australia. Excuse me. OJ's isotoners weighs in. You are definitely shadow banned, bro. No way in fucking hell you only pull 28 views. You're the man, Adam. Like, yeah, even the live comments, it's like, yeah, I think we're doing better than what YouTube is saying. But we haven't talked about censorship in a while. I'm kind of moving past it, especially with our new organization. Thanks to CEO Joey and distributing on all the crypto platforms everywhere. We won't be shadow banned. But yes, unfortunately, YouTube is still the best destination for the live show for technical consistency. So that's what we're sending people to for that. If you're not watching this live later, go to bitshoot.com. Please find us there. That's where we want to drive video traffic outside of, of YouTube, at least for now, along with Float and Odyssey. And uh, no, I'm forgetting one of the other great new sites that we're on for crypto video distribution. But yes, we are branching out and getting around the sensors. So um, one more uh, consequence of COVID, CBS Minnesota fireworks shortage as stores warn customers to buy early ahead of July 4th. Yeah, even screwing up that. And uh, that's all of our headlines for today. Let's check back in with co host Ant here. And uh, the last story that I told you I was teasing ahead positive marijuana tests are up among U.S. workers. I think there's something that's, that says, Ant, about even. Uh, mostly dudes operating heavy machinery in your situation who know that uh, there is zero even hypothetical threat of them smoking pot on a weekend, sleeping it off completely and going in with no 
uh, effect of that into work to operate whatever heavy machinery taking their own lives into their hands. And they're essentially a number of them saying, fuck you to their employers. Uh, uh, what, what do you make of that? Well, see, you know, whenever uh, the legalization of uh, marijuana started taking a big step forward, everybody else was cheering, oh, yes, legalize marijuana. My whole thing with that was uh, my thought process was with, that with alcohol, we can test you on the spot for your blood alcohol content. But how do you test somebody if they're high, if they're driving? So being that, I knew that this was going to be an issue where people that maybe do it on the weekends, it sort of work up to work and they're not operating equipment when they're high or driving when they're high, or maybe they get off work and they, they smoke a bowl. Like, uh, I was about to make, you know, sorry, sorry to interject, but I was, I was about to make a joke about, or going to a call center and sitting in a cubicle for eight hours a day. I'm like, I want those people high. As long as they can walk you through that process, I want them as chill and patient as possible because I know they got to deal with some asshole. But yeah, you go to a call center, you drive there and back, right? I want yeah. those people to be high. <laughs> yeah, so like my, my whole thing was with the way the regulations came out is I didn't, I already didn't like it because it made no provisions for any way for you to test if somebody's actively under the influence of, of a, you know, anything with marijuana. There's all this rules and regulation put in for alcohol, but there wasn't for marijuana. But you can and, test for sobriety and physical coordination. But that's uh, when you, but when you, when you test for pot and you get pulled over, that's largely under the, the, the call of the police officer that pulled you over. He says he feels that you're under the influence. They can't really, there's not really a, a test that I know of that tests how high you are, how not high you are. That's under their discretion. So I didn't like that. You know what I mean? I, I wanted it. If it was going to be legal, it needs to be legal. And if it's, and if it's not, they need to figure out a way to, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? The yeah. Texas is actually in the process of passing, hopefully their bill to at least legalize medical marijuana yeah. for, you know, especially for veterans this is what they're really pushing. Well, well, and and I, I just point this out as one more huge unseen cost of the drug war and that we don't reap the benefits of appropriately controlling and moderating substance use for public safety which is something that we all have an interest in regardless of ideology. So, and things you can say to your coworker, but not your boss, who's the winner today. So today we're, he seems like he wins a lot. Um, Mr. Freeman uh, with his, uh, with his Putin post. Putin comment. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Mike Freeman to recap on YouTube, his comment was if you're working for Putin, a comment that you can make, to your coworkers, but not your boss is, hey, you say, is these protesters have a point. Have a point. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, Mr. Freeman. Thank you very much. And Jim, give us the producer notes, sir. What's going on? Let's be quick with the producer notes. Join the public Telegram channel right there, t.me forward slash Adam versus Saman. Check out the Patreon channel at patreon.com forward slash Adam versus Saman. we got a poll going there right now, so definitely check that out. And once you join for 10 bucks a month, you can visit the store and get 15% off and free shipping on everything you order once that store is up and ready. Cigar Federation is also going to be a link there for it. Cigarfederation.com gets 10% off with promo code Adam10. Uh, Instagram hash is at the garden of freedom. So check that out. We learned all about the crypto six.com. So that was beautiful. And go green energy online.com 
is the best website on the planet for learning about solar and wind energy. So visit it and educate yourself. All right. And from goodnewsnetwork.org, this day in history, it was on this day in 1783. A great jubilee was held in Trumbull, Connecticut to celebrate the end of the American Revolution. On this day, 1926, jazz trumpeter and composer Miles Davis was born. On this day in 1966, British Guiana gained independence, becoming Guiana. On this day in 2004, a great day for journalistic humility. The New York Times, not just journalistic humility, but a challenge to militarism. On this day in 2004, the New York Times published an admission of journalistic failings, claiming that it's flawed reporting and lack of skepticism towards the success sources during the buildup to the 2003 war in Iraq helped promote the belief that Iraq possessed stockpiles of weapons of mass production. With that, peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other.